to Fiona. Number 165. The one where they're here. The Fiona's Podcast. Christian news from around the globe. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. Explore the vast reaches of God's word. Hello, all you Theo Knotheads out there. I'm David Gaddy. I'm Jeremiah Orr. Together we are the Theo Knots. Back in action, man. Yes. How you been? You have to definitely be a Theo Knothead to still be listening. That's right. How long has it been since we've uh, recorded an episode? Two, um, three months? <laughs> no, it hasn't been that long. Four so, years? Uh, you been- look different. Yeah. You've aged I see a couple new wrinkles on the oh, forehead. May 9th. May 9th. It has been a while. Yeah, it's almost two months, dude. Yes. Almost two I'm months. I'm ignoring that ageism coming from across the table. <laughs> I'm so. joking. You look ravishing as you, ever. You do have some David gray in your beard now. Uh, I've man, noticed that. Yeah, it's it's from you. <laughs> I didn't want to say anything, I'm but you it brought off. it up. Mm-hmm. I didn't even rub beards with you or anything. No, it's just... It's just your stress, it's man. It's crazy. It's for me calling and never getting an answer from you. It'd be like, <laughs> when are we doing Theonauts again? And you're no. like, ah, I don't know. I don't yeah, that's like. exactly how it works. I'm pretty sure that's exactly what happened. <laughs> so we did. We took a hiatus, and uh, I got plenty of people going, um, so are you doing Theonauts anymore? Yeah, what's, what's going up on? with that? I, you know what we found out, though? We found out we have a lot of faithful listeners that uh great yes and we're excited about that so thank you for holding on and waiting while we got our bearings and uh you know got some things sorted out Yeah, and a couple of you sent us some uh some a list of things to to (laughs) talk about that's like oh so apparently they don't have anything to talk about (laughs) no so here's some things no we actually did kind of um um reach out and say hey in our absence, right? Toss us some ideas. But the funny thing is, the thing we're doing today is, isn't on it. Isn't on that list, <laughs> which is hilarious. But that's okay. We are getting to that list, but we feel like those deserve some extra special time. And uh, yeah, I was marination. going through them and going like, "Oh, that's a great idea." And then it was like, mm, "I haven't looked at it enough." Let's, right? We need to. I've got a really good book on this. I yeah. should read it before we do this. I love the I love the idea of where the apostles went. That one's going to be great. Yes, that that's good. And uh, I love the idea of the whole forgiveness mm-hmm. episode. All kinds of, of um, aspects of sure of forgiveness. We heard from so. Brian Gadawa. We, we might did. have him on sometime soon. Yeah, we need to do that. Yeah. It's, it's always fun to talk to Brian. Right. He uh, he he's he's so excitable and yeah. You know what we need to do? He said the most controversial book that he's ever written. You're right. So, Which I'm interested to find out because, you know, some of his books are pretty controversial now that you think about it. Well, they are. The whole Nephilim oh, series. Yeah. Well, and even the content on the, in them is, is like, yeah, this is definitely rated R. Cryptozoological. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, he his new stuff is all um, a... Uh, preterist, preterist view view of the um, of the revelation prophecy and that sort of thing, which is something we need to get into and a little bit. So more. yeah, it's kind of cool stuff. Yeah. Um, so 
probably is some controversy in there. We right. talked to, to him about the first book in that series yeah. on the show, and uh, that was kind of an interesting discussion. But you know who I'm really excited about? Uh, Mike Mahoney's going to be here this weekend and visit yes. us, which is awesome. Fellow Theonaut, fellow Mike Theonaut Mahoney. Mike. Yeah, and we ought to have him do a Theonaut with us soon. Hey, that would be good. That'd be nice to invite him into the studio and see what it's like to... Uh, Banter for what is it? We we started at six thirty and it's now eight forty four. Yeah, and we just now started hitting record. So yeah, uh, we kind of got off on a tangent. Yeah, talked about all kinds of stuff. I love it. It's we the, had kind of been you know <laughs> catching up as well, right? You know, David and I served together at the same church, but we we got our own lives, and so we've been going every which way lately. And Let's so, say you've been the super summer. Oh, yeah. Um, since we recorded. Did Super Summer. That was awesome. Did Red School, which is eighth graders, which is really interesting. I got a new job description at work. I'm now mm-hmm. the uh, chaplain for Morningstar Academy, Woo! which is cool. That's and I'm learning awesome. what chaplain. Apparently, chaplain is basically the same thing that I've always been. <laughs> <laughs> but it has the word chaplain added yeah. to it, which is great. Yeah, it's and, just like, you know, whatever. Yeah, exactly. Minis- we had, minister. <laughs> minister, pastor. I'm I'm the pastor. Uh, and then we had, what the, why did I say that so feminine? That's weird. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> shut up. Just shut up. Already starting. Let's see. Blakely had her two-year birthday. That was awesome. Yeah. And then what else happened? Your granddaughter had already been born. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, you got to spend some more time with. Oh, she ended up in the hospital. Yes. That was. That was harrowing. Crazy. During Um, a night where we were praying, they just jumped up and left and had to go to the hospital. Yeah. And uh, so that was kind of a creepy thing. But mainly because babies that young shouldn't have, you know, fever and whatnot. Right. Uh, They start thinking all kinds of weird stuff. Yeah. It can be scary. Yeah, so they they have to go through the rigmarole, but she's fine now. Everything's awesome. I thought I had West Nile virus. Turns that's out I, right. I didn't, but I thought I did. <laughs> I was kind of hoping uh, I did. But no. Um, I started this new job with. Well, that's uh, right. There's oh a man, huge transition like, there. Oh my gosh, it has been crazy. Like yeah. my whole world has been flipped upside down from a work perspective. Wow, and. Um, like and it's still going on. I'm wow. still trying to get caught up. So, uh, so you know, I'm a software engineer and wrote this uh, application for this um, company. And basically, this other company bought that company and my application <laughs> and me along. <laughs> I didn't know that you were uh, to be bought. Yeah, but... apparently so. Everything's for sale. <laughs> That's right. I and guess so. Uh, so, but anyway. Um, so one of the things they had to do is, of course, this is a big Fortune 100 company that bought us. Right. And they're like, uh, we have to run your um, your stuff through uh, a uh, uh, security scan, make sure that <laughs> your code is all up to speed. And it found a big old whopping 2,000 uh, uh, very high-risk uh, issues oh my that, goodness. that needed to be remediated. And uh, so that's. What, Have you gone through all that yet? Oh, not even close. I'm, I'm, I'm pouring through it a little each day, and that's not including like all of the managerial stuff I have to do uh, on top of all this because I've got people working for me, and it's just, it's just crazy. Uh, it's been really, really, really hectic. So that's part of the contributing factor, sure, 
as to why the Theonauts has kind of been slow going. But you know, I don't think we'll ever quit. I don't think so. <laughs> I know that you know the law of entropy at yeah. some point. <laughs> But I have a feeling that, you know, we'll just go on like Seinfeld, man. Just keep yeah. going and going and going. <laughs> like MASH. Like MASH. There you go. <laughs> Forever. Little House on the Prairie. Can't wait until they change your character. Happy days. No, yeah. At some point, we're going to have to jump the shark. <laughs> you know, where we bring in the young Theonaut. What episode <laughs> would be the one of us, the equivalent of jumping the shark? That's the interesting thing. Yeah. Hmm. So okay, so you you know the reference that that came from, right? Oh yeah, happy days. Happy days. Yeah, when Fonz jumped the shark. Yeah, <laughs> that was the end of <laughs> Happy Days. Well, and every every major uh, show that has been that has longevity ends up jumping the shark at some point. Oh yeah, because they they can't keep telling the same story over exactly. and over, and they end up like if it's about the cute little kids, the kids start growing up. Right. It's like, oh, we got to get some more cute little kids on the show. <laughs> exactly. Second generation. So we adopt these, this new baby <laughs> who's just as funny as the one we had before he grew right. up. Uh, but wow. anyway. <laughs> so maybe someday we'll jump the shark. But, I, you know, I love, we all love Theonauts, and we'll come back to it. So just hang on and, you know, wait for our hiatuses to be over, and it's over. Yeah. So here we are. Yeah. Back in the studio. Are you ready to... Uh, Explore this interesting uh, theme. Yes. So quite literally, we came into the studio tonight and went, what are we going to do? <laughs> <laughs> and I know you listen to the show because we're so prepared. That's right. And that's what you look. That's what you you listen for because you know that we pour over the books before. Oh, we, oh yeah, yeah. Do a lot of that heady. We're, that we're in the library examination days and days before the show. Most of it is just like you know. Well, I've talked about that before, so we can yeah. throw that in there. And I had a sermon. Yeah, so let's do that. <laughs> but uh, so we ended on a topic that's kind of interesting and not something that you would typically expect us. I don't think. To do as theonauts. Yeah, we did do an episode called Heresy. Like, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Right? So in this episode, we've decided to take, uh, I guess we're calling it a top 10, right? A top 10 list of heresies. Top 10 list of heresies, which is difficult because... We're breaking... One, one man's heresy is another man's, you know... Truth. <laughs> well, true. It is. <laughs> but I was thinking more, you know, less in terms of like... That's interesting. Right. But, you know, I don't really call it a heresy. Well, I mean, that's kind of the way I was with a lot of things. Like, okay, that's weird. Right. But I wouldn't call it a heresy. Now, uh, you know, and so we doing this top 10 list, we're kind of going back a little bit on what we traditionally understand heresy meaning. That's true. Which heresy does, all it means is deviation, sect. Sect. A division. A division. That's right. And the funny thing is, is we're calling one of these heresies <laughs> in, its, in its nature of the definition. It is heretical. An oxymoron. It is. <laughs> but it's the last one. We'll talk about it when we Exactly. Get so basically what we've done is we picked 10 things in church history that go against the 
backbone of true theology, which is absolutely <laughs> true theology, essential essential theology. Yeah. Okay. Which is what I'd call it, salvific, salvific true theology. True theology. Um, there you go. <laughs> and some of them have to do with either we either have- salvation or the nature of God, is what we would. Okay. All ten of these well, would line historically into. most quote unquote heresies do deal with the nature of God. Right. Like that's almost all of the early ones. Oh yeah. Like God's this. No, he's not. The reason for the Every- council of Nicaea to begin with was Yeah, everything to deal with everything was like, oh yeah, let's punch this guy in the face because right. he disagrees with me on how God is. Right. And I, I think that's kind of a list of an issue on the whole now. People aren't fighting about that quite as much as they used to. No, but it is I mean, kind there's of still some things there. It's there there um it is hidden in our culture a little bit. And in fact, some major um cults base their theology off of the nature of God. Mm. Right? Yeah. So and we'll get into that a little bit. So we've taken Heaven's oh, Gate. Uh, heaven's get no uh, Jehovah's Witnesses. We'll have fun with that. Oh. We had a listener call in uh, who was right in, right in. Yeah, no, he no, called. no, he did. He called speak pipe. Yeah, he did speak. Sorry, pipe. I forgot we had speak pipe. He had a three. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he couldn't get his his point across in the three minute um, right messages. But we pieced together this guy was a JW. Yeah. And so that's one of the, actually the heresies that we're going to deal with is a backbone of their beliefism. Um, and some others that, you know, it's the, so the nature of God, I think is, a, it's kind of an important issue. Uh, well, I think it is an important issue, even though it's not one that's premiered in today's uh, cultural. So yeah. we're doing a lot of history and then there's some modern stuff, in some here. modern, modern, because stuff. there's some, what I would consider heresies that I've dealt with personally. Yeah. That have made it onto the list. list absolutely. <laughs> well, he wanted to include, he wanted to include, uh, what was it? Uh, <laughs> limited atonement. No, not that <laughs> careful. Be careful. Maybe jump across the table and punch you in the face. Like Sandy. Uh, no, uh, I was I was thinking of of uh, of evolution. The, oh, uh, theistic evolution. Theistic evolution, yeah. and I I wouldn't call that a heresy. And so we talked about it. No, I guess it's. Really they kind of got into our whole what is a heresy? Well, how from a historical, <laughs> historical standpoint. standpoint. Uh, basically, because we looked this up once before, based on the 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 Catholics were the ones. Sorry. But the Catholics were the ones who redefined what, Coined the term, what yeah. heresy is. Heresy is a Greek term. Right. It means a sect, but it got re, it got redefined um, into a negative term, meaning deviation, uh, something that disagrees with the right. policies or the beliefs of the church. church. And under that, actually, Protestantism is a heresy. Is a heresy. In fact, Protestantism was listed as a heresy. Right. If you go and look at a yeah. you know a Catholic website dealing with heresies, heretic. I'm a heretic. So, anyways, that being out of the way, what we are defining heresies are in this episode are deviations from the backbone, which is salvific issues or issues with the deity of God. Yeah. Now let's go. All right. So. Okay. Number one. Number one. Or actually, Number should we 10. do 10? Yes. These are. I don't know how hierarchical the. Actually, they're old. not, except for I think our last point is the number one for us. Yes. Personally. All Definitely. Right. <laughs> so, top number 10, 
Gnosticism, probably the most famous of all of these heresies in its historical context, because it was one of the major first issues that the early first century and second century church was dealing with. It really caught its stride right after the first century church, um, and it even was, during it, right? I mean, that's it's actually addressed in New Testament, exactly. And but it got its coin term really in second century, but it was it was definitely there in the first century. So, what is Gnosticism? Okay, so from a historical standpoint, and we I think we've talked about this on the show before, but Gnosticism didn't even originate with Christianity. It originated prior to Christianity. Right. It is a it is a pagan belief. Yes. Uh, it is a belief that they do believe in Yahweh, but they believe that Yahweh is the is the evil God. Right. And that there is a divine um, a, a, a pure God. And that Yahweh created this earth and entrapped pure souls, pure spirits into this dirty, nasty human <laughs> creepiness that we are right and therefore so i mean there's like every lie has a little bit of truth in it i guess but anyway their whole point was that we are spiritual beings by nature trapped by the evil god yahweh and but the prophecy was that the good god would come to the earth and redeem the spirits away from this body okay yes and so um this was done by divine knowledge. Exactly. Given so to certain individuals. Gnostic basically means intellect, intellectual knowledge. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so if you if you heard David's description, that almost you can see yourself as a Christian almost wanting to see that. Uh, and it it would be very easy to fit Judeo Christianity into this belief system. Right. And so the Hellenistic Greeks all of those people, they, they kind of adopted it um, into, and it, it became something that infiltrated the church um, and something that believed. So um, the, the five basic points of Gnosticism, number one, all matter is evil, mm-hmm. and all non-material spiritual realm is good. So you have good and evil, and physical is bad, spiritual is good. Number two, there is an unknowable God who who gave rise to many lesser spirits being called aeons, and those are those spirits that are trapped, right, in the physical. Um, One evil lower spirit being uh, being is the creator who made the universe. So God actually did not create the universe because why would God create evil? Because all physical is evil. Yeah. Well, that's that's who they're calling. That's they, the that's Jewish their God. Yahweh. Yahweh. That's right. They said the Jewish God is that guy, and he's actually evil, right. not good. Right. right. And so there's a huge deviation right uh-huh. there. Um, Gnosticism does not deal with sin. There's no sin. There's only ignorance mm-hmm. or unknowing. So the opposite of Gnosticism is unknowing. And Agnostic. Then, right. And to <laughs> achieve salvation. One needs to find the secret knowledge. knowledge. And so that was that was something that, right, that that was something that infiltrated the church and was a serious, serious problem by the end of the first century. Yeah. So here is how they attacked the church. <clears throat> when all this talk of Jesus' resurrection began mm-hmm. to become popularized through Christianity, 
the Gnostics gravitated to it because it could be the this unknown God. It could be this unknowable God right. that is come back to redeem us. And so, what he would, what what the Gnostics would teach is that Jesus was their God, but he never actually came as a human. He didn't leave footprints on the dirt. He sure. didn't. He didn't actually come in physical form. So this was the primary um, heresy that was being taught in some of the early churches that the Apostle Peter and the Apostle John had to deal with, were people teaching that Jesus didn't actually physically die on the cross. He didn't physically walk on the earth, that he was spirit the entire time, and that he came back to teach and to reveal knowledge that could redeem us. So... In reference to this, let's go to 1 John, uh. the uh, chapter 4, um, <clears throat> looking here in the first three verses. Now, this is John warning us that not all spirits are good, right? So it sounds yes. kind of familiar. And John, um, well, one of the main reasons that he wrote 1 John and 2 John was to combat this idea that was infiltrating the church about the secret and their their coin term at the time. Now they weren't calling themselves Gnostics at this time, mm-hmm. but it was the early form. Their coin term was truth. Right. Right? And so they were big on truth. Mm-hmm. The hidden truth. And you need to find the truth. So go ahead anyways. Okay. So in in first John four, it begins Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus uh, confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard coming and now is in the world and now is in the world already. So uh if you listen to what he's saying here, what he's actually telling them is, is if someone teaches you that Jesus is not from God, that is an antichrist. Like that is that is uh, a spirit you should not listen to. He's like, this is how you know if a spirit is from God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus has come in the flesh mm-hmm. is from God. Okay, this was a direct assault on Gnosticism, on the Gnostic teachings that were happening at the time because they were teaching Jesus was coming not in the flesh, right. but only in spirit. Right. Um, if you keep going down there, for actually 1 John um, 2, 1 through 29 uh, uh-huh. is, is pretty heavy on this. My little children, and this is when he's talking about actually sin because one of the things that they were teaching was the sin is a not a thing. Not a thing. You can do whatever you want because it's just a physical thing. You need to focus on spiritual. You need to focus on knowledge, right? My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does have a sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation of our sins. And not only ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And that by this we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandment is a liar and, and this was his poke, the truth is not in him. Whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. 
by this we may know that we are in him. Um, and so it's big on that whole truth <clears throat> thing. Here's one of the things I think this is important about to know about Gnosticism and to know the influence that Gnosticism had in the area where these things were being taught is because it's real easy for us to not know that and read some of these scriptures and take them completely out of context. Right. Uh, one of the ones I'd like to bring up is the book Second John. It's a very short little letter. Mm-hmm. Um, it has been used for divisive reasons um, all throughout my life. Like, I've, I've heard the book of Second John used so many times, and we'll get to more of that later. But the reason why you have to get an understanding of this Gnosticism thing is so you can understand what he's saying. Okay, so um, uh, I want to just read through Second <clears throat> John. It's not very long. So uh, it says, The elder to the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all who know the truth, because of the truth that abides in us and will be with us forever. Okay, once truth, this, truth, this truth. word truth being thrown around yes. a lot because of what we're talking about. Right. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son in truth and love. I rejoice greatly to find that some of your children walking in the truth, just as we were commanded by the Father. And now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing you a new commandment, but the one we have had from the beginning that we love one another. And this is love that we walk according to his commandments, that this is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning so that you should walk in it for many deceivers have gone into the world. Those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh, such a one is a deceiver and the antichrist watch yourselves so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting. For whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works." Though I have much to write to you, I would rather not use the paper and the ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face so that our joy may be complete and the children of your elect sister greet you. So that's the entire second letter of John. Right. The whole thing is about Gnosticism. The whole thing is a warning. And I will also add some uh, supplemental notes. We don't have a a lot of time to just talk about this book, but... A lot of people believe that this elect lady is talking about the church. Like it's a general letter to the church, like an open letter to the church. Huh. I disagree. I think that this is a specific woman and her children um, that is, has been written to, one, because we're not children of the church. Right. We are children of God. God. Yes. <laughs> um, and also, at the very end, it says, whoever, or the last verse says, the children of your elect sister greet you. Okay, well, who's that? Another... Church? Church. <laughs> so besides the body of Christ? Right. So uh, anyway, I think this is written to a very specific person. Oh, yeah. Uh, in fact, some people believe, this is a little getting out there, but some people believe that this letter is written to Mary, the mother of Jesus. Ooh, that's interesting. Because John sure, it was the one who took charge of her right, at the cross. Right, took care of her. But anyway... Uh, that's a great. That's a great theory. It may or may not be yeah. such that, but anyway, he's writing to this elect lady, and is is basically saying, "Don't worry, the stories you're hearing 
are not true. Right. Jesus really came in the flesh. If anybody tries to tell you otherwise, and of course, Mary, mother of Jesus, of all people, would know that he came in the flesh, right? Right. But it, but anyway, there's all this uh, talk in here about if anyone comes to you teaching that he didn't come in the flesh, right. don't have anything to do with them. Yeah. Just ignore them. Get exactly. rid of them. So uh, one of the things I find very interesting is Arrhenius, who is the first father to really actually call it out on the carpet and call it a heresy. Yeah. Um, he wrote in his book, Heresies, yeah. <laughs> talks about Gnosticism. Uh, and he talks about Paul specifically, and apparently these Gnostics were using Paul's writings to back up their claims in a lot of instances, Right, which is very funny <laughs> because Paul himself was actually combating it. If you look in 1 Timothy 6, you read, O Timothy, guard your deposit entrusted to you. Avoid, avoid the irrelevant babble and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. For by professing it, some have swerved from the faith. Grace be with you. We read in Colossians, See that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Um, and so we uh, have 1 Corinthians 2, seven. We impart a secret and hidden <clears throat> wisdom of God. <laughs> which God decreed before the ages of our glory. So Paul is saying we have the secret hidden truth, and that is Jesus Christ and him crucified right. bodily and resurrected bodily. And Paul makes a point to talk about Jesus resurrected bodily. So it's a uh, it's a very contradictory <laughs> belief that they had. Um, Gnosticism... Is not it does not hold sway. I don't think in today's society, no, very much. Although I I do think that universalism is kind of like the great 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 grandbaby of Gnosticism, yeah. if you want to look at it that way. And we'll get to that. Um, okay, so that's Gnosticism number nine. Pelagianism. Pelagianism. This is one it's of like, my favorite yeah, ones. Say, to it's rail your, fa- about. your favorite heresy. I think you just like to say Pelagian. You're. A, I just like you're a Pelagian heretic. <laughs> I just love saying that. Um, no, I guess it goes back to my Calvinistic roots in a lot of ways because uh, if it's one thing that that beats against uh, the basis of Reformed theology, it's the idea of of human nature. And this one attacks human nature. And so Pelagius uh, uh, was a um, theologian that taught that the human will, as created with its abilities by God, was sufficient to live a sinless life. Although he believed that God's grace assisted every good work. So basically, it's the belief that original sin did not taint human nature. If you work hard enough, you can achieve anything. Exactly. And that the mortal will is still capable of choosing good or evil with special divine aid. Yeah. So at its at its fruit, Pelagium is the belief that original sin never happened. Okay? So this whole idea that as Adam sinned, we all sin mm-hmm. is not a biblical principle to Pelagius. We're not under a fallen nature. We are under a fallen nature. So when somebody is born, they are born with the ability to choose. They're born inherently good, not 
evil in their nature. Yeah. And so, to me, this goes against the very basis of Paul's teaching, especially in Romans. Yeah. If you go to Romans uh, and read chapter three, uh, yeah, chapter three, uh, and I'll pull that up. I should have had that pulled up already. I got it here. Okay, go ahead. Uh, chapter three, verse ten says, uh, "Well, let's go verse nine. What then? Are we Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin, as it is written. None is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless, and no one does good. Not even one." Their throats an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asp are under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. So this basically, I mean, Romans, which is uh, which is Paul's great theology book, teaches that just as Adam sinned, we are of a fallen nature. Everybody born under Adam has a sin nature. It's a curse. It's a cancer in our bones. We're born with it. When somebody looks at a baby, they shouldn't say, oh, look at that beautiful, perfect little baby. They should look and say, oh, look at that beautiful, perfect little sinner. And man, right now I'm experiencing it more than I've ever experienced it before. It's like somebody flipped a switch in my little girl when she turned two. And Everything, like at least once a day, I see her sin nature. It's insane how it's happening, right? <laughs> Nobody taught my little girl to lie. Nobody taught my little girl to throw temper tantrums and to slap and to hit and to bite and to do all that. She come by, comes by that naturally. And so, uh, Pelagian, you are wrong. <laughs> um, Augustine was the great combatant against this uh this ideal this mm-hmm. uh um Pelagian her- heresy and he is actually the person that really coined the term original sin um and and uh gave us this explain Paul a lot better um but uh I just I I find this is very interesting because even though people won't call themselves Pelagians right most most people are Pelagian if oh, yeah, you really definitely. think about it. Yeah, like especially if, if you ever have watched The Way of the Master, which is, um, oh, yeah. uh, what's his name, Ray Comfort's mm-hmm. um, ministry. He, he, his main thing is he's a man on the street type of thing. He goes oh, out yeah. there, interviews people, and he always asks them right off the bat, you know, do you believe in heaven? Do you believe in hell? And even if he gets yeses and, you know, I do believe in that, it's like, do you think you're going to heaven? Yes. Almost everybody's like, yeah. Well, are you a Christian? No. Uh, do you have you ever broke the Ten Commandments? And he goes through the Ten Commandments, and everyone's like confessing right off the bat. Yes, I've done that. Yes, I've done that. And he was like, "Well, how do you think you're going to get to heaven if you?" Well, you know, I'm I'm just human. You know, I was everybody like like that justifies it, right? And uh, so, yeah, you're absolutely right. Everyone kind of thinks that. Okay, well, this is just the way we are, but it's okay because that's the way everybody is. Sure. <laughs> and so you know it's a it's a very sad thing, but it, it, it's the truth of especially in, I think in our modern day society, most people think, well, you know, we're I'm just, better than that guy. We're good. We're all right. We're good. And I haven't killed to, anybody. We need to make our good outweigh our bad, and that's that's how we achieve salvation, kind of. And uh, and absolutely not the the uh, the. <laughs> The basis of salvation is the understanding that you need to be saved from something, right? And that something is your original sin. That's that's a 
I love one of uh, one of Ray Comfort's um, analogies he uses. He was like, if you're on an airplane and you tell someone, "Here, put put on this parachute. It it will improve the flight. It will make you feel better. It'll give you this confidence in your life, and you'll have a you'll just be a better passenger because you're wearing this parachute." Right. It's he was scary. like people are putting it on, and you might sell it to them, and and before long they're sitting there really uncomfortable. And they're going, "Why am I wearing this? Like this is just totally uncomfortable. It doesn't fit, et cetera, et cetera. Why do I have it? It's not making my life better. I should just take it off." But if you tell the person, hey, I know for a fact this plane's going down. This plane's going to crash before we get to our destination. Now, I have a parachute. (laughs) If you put it on, it will save you from crashing. Well, then it doesn't matter how uncomfortable it becomes (laughs) on the trip because you know the plane's going down. Sure, absolutely. And you're glad you've got the parachute on. And so, yes, (laughs) when you realize that you are destined for death... (laughs) Then it's then it definitely gives you better incentive to uh, understand what Jesus has actually done for us, right? Um, and so, yeah, Pelagianism is pretty uh, pretty basic and uh, easy to refute if you actually look at it <laughs> in its understanding. So a lot of these, I think, are. But... Oh yeah. Okay, well, so we ready to move on? Yeah, because we, we got uh, seven more to go. <laughs> All right, or eight more to go. So here we go. Open theism. Now it's getting a little bit more. Petty and theological. Um, have you ever heard of open theism before? Yes, but I'd never really looked at it all that much. You know, it's very interesting. The first time I really heard of open theism, I was uh, in my early 20s, and it was around the time, actually, um, where people were really starting to get into Rob Bell. Yeah. Um, and people were really starting to get into this idea of the emergent or emerging church. Mm-hmm. And so open theism is like... So you take classical Calvinism, and then you take Armenian classical Armenianism, and then you go and you see those as two opposite ends of the spectrum. Right. But they're not really, because open theism takes classical Armenianism and moves it about 20 notches to the left, uh, and then you have, there you have open theism. Right. So open theism is... Uh, like its name suggests, is an openness in your theology, or free will theism. It's a theological movement that has developed within the evangelical and post-evangelical Protestant Christianity as a response to ideals uh, related to the synthesis in Greek philosophy, Christian theology. Basically, the ideal is that... um, (laughs) How can I explain this? God needs our help. Mm-hmm. If I if I could put it in its basic terms, God, uh, although he foresees future, right, does not have the future planned out, and is open to whatever future that you will for yourself. Right. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So God has no control over what's going to happen, and not only that, God changes his mind and changes his future based off of whatever he wills or whatever he, you know, whatever he thinks or feels at that time. Right. Okay. So a lot of this is taken from some of the Old Testament texts where it actually says God changed his mind and relented. Right, right, And right. And people will take that and go, well, right here you can see that God doesn't know the future. 
because he changes his mind. Right. But if you look at, you, you take a step back and you look at the whole of Scripture, God never changed his mind or deviated from his path. It just looked in human form like he was changing his mind. So this open theism is, it, it's almost like God needs your help to decide what's going to happen next. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, so here's some basic beliefs about uh, that open theists believe. Uh, in doctrine for Scripture, um, it's committed to infirm, they, they affirm the infallibility of Scripture. Um, God ordains whatever happens, reduces, uh, they, they fight against God's sovereignty. They think that the idea of God being sovereign over everything reduces humans to robots. Um, uh, they promote well. Some some of this I get. Yes, because some of it is the classical um, dispute against free will, and I'm still a proponent of free will. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so. Um, because once again, this goes back to, in my opinion, to putting God in a box. Everyone wants to put God in a box. This is the way he works. This is the way he is. And in the scriptures continue to tell us that we can't understand God. We can't understand how he is. We can't understand it, et cetera, et cetera. And so um, I can't go completely full. Uh, we have no free will, but at the same time, I definitely don't go to the point to either where it's like, well, God needs us to do et cetera, et cetera, in order for his will to be accomplished. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I kind of, I kind of see where this is going, but it's still not quite like, for example, love isn't love without free will. I'm sorry. It just isn't. Love isn't love. <laughs> love is you have to decide to love somebody. You can't. You you, you can't. You can't just like um, like you can't make someone love you. Yeah. Okay. I, I can you see what I'm that. saying. You can't. Yeah. If you say you're gonna love me because it's my will and you will love me, right? That's not love. Right. All right. So the argument of open theism is essentially this: though, human beings are truly free. Uh-huh. If God absolutely knew the future, human beings could not truly be free. Okay, I don't agree with that. So that's therefore yes. God does not know absolutely everything about the future. Gotcha. They hold that the future is it can't be knowable because if it did, then humans would be robots. Therefore, God knows everything that can be known, but He does not know the future. See, I don't agree with that. So I, 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 and see, this goes right back to where you've made a decision that free will is a thing, and then you have to start trying to figure out how to fit God into that box. Right. It's the same, Calvinism does the same thing. It's just the other side of the spectrum. Right. It's like, well, you can't have free will because God has preordained everything, and so you would put God in that box. So, I mean, yeah, it's just the other side of the... So Okay, so you have verses like Psalm 139.4 that totally refute this. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely. I mean, come on. That's, yeah, that's, that's future knowledge. Yes, God's definitely omniscient. Right, and that's, that, that's the problem that... That's for me. That's what makes open theism a heresy, right? Because you cannot say that God is not omniscient. Is not omniscient, because in Scripture, 
it shows <laughs> God fully as omniscient. Right. He knows the beginning. He knows the end. He knows what's going to happen. Now, free, and this is where the mystery fits in. Mm-hmm. Free will has to exist in some aspect of that. Yeah. Evil, However, evil wouldn't exist without it. Exactly. In my opinion. Well, yeah, we can debate that. But, uh, I, you know, <laughs> free will has to exist in some aspect of that. But that doesn't change the fact that God predestined. Agreed. How everything would play out. Right. He has to. Yeah, and so this oh, is a level of perfectness of perfectness that we can't get our minds around. That's right. my stance on it. That 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 there are things we can't understand about God. That's the thing, and what what open theist does it's, it's like trying to see four dimensions when we can only live in three. <laughs> yes, it's trying to for a finite man to understand an infinite God. Right, and it's something that can't happen, and that's what my well, ways are not your ways. But you know, the funny thing is, the Calvinists are pointing open theism open theists and they're going you're trying you're a finite man trying to define an infinite god and there's four more fingers pointing back at them going you're a finite man trying to define right it's a it's a four-year-old trying to understand the mind this is the major problem with isms of an astrophysicist it just won't work and uh and so it's a nice little try for perspective. But I agree that anything that takes away God's omniscience is a heresy. Mm-hmm. And that's my big thing. It, it it rails against the nature of who God is. Because he's, he's omnipotent, he's omniscient, he's omnipresent. Right. And if you take away those, if you take away any of that... He ceases to be God. He ceases to be God. Yeah. Right. That's the thing. And so... Uh, anyways, all right, so that's open theism. Um, if you have any more insight on open theism, I'd love to hear from you because we did not research it all that great. But, um, there's this is a, a seat of our pants, yes. Episode. But there's a book I, I read, uh, part of by John Piper. Obviously, he's going to be against it. Uh, it's called Beyond, Beyond the Bounds, uh, a critique of open theism. And mm-hmm. man, he just rails against them. It's really good. So uh, check that out if you're you're interested in it. Okay, what's next? Uh, Hebrew Roots. Woo! Are you ready? Okay, so we want to just do a small disclaimer. Yes. We're talking about Hebrew Roots in reference to salvation. So, because there's all kinds of gray areas on this. Okay. Oh, yeah. So Hebrew Roots basically means that we as Christians uh, start adhering to Judaism. Right. Um, so... This is a hairy thing because you can do this as a Christian. Uh, Christians in the early uh, early church did it, but they still kept the feast. They still they still did everything they had been doing. Uh, they didn't stop. But the problem becomes when you start institutionalizing it onto those who didn't. So, for example, the minute a Jew who's been doing Passover his entire life and continues to do Passover even after he becomes a Christian but now honors Jesus through it, now starts telling the Greek convert, convert, Mm -hmm. you need to start doing Passover or you need to start, you need to be circumcised or whatever. Um, That's where the problem comes in. Right. It's it's the demanding of uh, non-Jewish people to keep the 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 Jewish law, right? Um, and when 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 you're when you're telling somebody you're obligated to do that, you're going against Scripture. Yes, and you making you're making it a salvific issue. Yes, if God's not pleased with you because you're not doing this, 
then I mean, because people will reward it a million different ways to try and get around salvific being able to say it's salvific. Right. But basically, if you're saying that God's not happy with you, that God that God requires this. Uh, then that's where it starts getting hairy. Mm-hmm. And so um, this is actually a big problem in in churches today. Now, like, for example, we have an Easter retreat that we've been doing every year at our church. Yeah. We have a Passover meal there. We do it at Passover. Right. And it works out great. Yeah, because we tie it into Christ and we show how... Right. There's nothing know. wrong with honoring the roots. Yep. Uh, Jesus was a Jew, right? And we should all acknowledge that. He's not blonde-haired, blue-eyed surfer guy. Right. He he was definitely a Jewish guy. And he and he lived according to the Jewish law. He wouldn't be able to die for our sins had he not. Right. But the point being that we are not Jews. And so it might be cool to be more like Christ. If you choose in your life to honor sure. those traditions sure. and do those things, you want to do Hanukkah, you want to do Passover, you want to do Yom Kippur, you want whatever. Well, Yom Kippur is kind of out of the window, but because that's the Day of Atonement. But right. <laughs> but you know what I'm, what I'm saying is, if you want to participate in those feasts, uh, you want to hold the Sabbath holy. That's another whole other. Oh, that's a big animal ball, ball of right. wax. But the whatever it is, if it's if it's tied to Jewish law or tied to the law at all, and you're uh, when you're to the point where you're saying you must do this in order to be Christian, that's where it becomes heresy because then you stepped on grace. Right, you're stepping outside the bounds of what Jesus did on the cross. Right, and so I can see the uh, the natural desire. Mm-hmm. There and, and you know and and that's great if you want to do that but there are so many verses that hit to the core of this uh, and books right entire books written about the it the whole book of Galatians is yes, about it yes um, and so originally this was called Judaizers right. Um, right. I can so I'll pull up one Acts fifteen. Right. Yes. This is a famous verse. The very first council. Exactly. First church council was But some men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers, unless you were circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. And after Paul and Barnabas and no small dissension and debate with them, Paul and Barnabas and some of the others were appointed to go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and the elders about this question. So being sent on their way to by the church. They passed through both Phoenicia and Samaria, describing in detail the conversion of the Gentiles, and brought great joy to all the brothers. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders. They declared that all that God has done with them, but some believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees rose up and said it is necessary for, uh, to circumcise them uh, and to order them to keep the law of Moses. Um, let me finish the rest of this. Hold on, I, I lost. <laughs> I lost the decision. Give me one second here. Okay. Law of Moses. The apostles and the elders were gathered together and considered this matter. And after they had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, "Brothers, you know that the in the early days God made a choice among you." that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, who knows the heart, 
bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us. And he made no distinction between us and them, having cleansed their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? But we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus, just as they will." And all the assembly fell silent, and they listened to Barnabas and Paul as they related what signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. After they finished speaking, James replied, Brothers, listen to me. Simeon has related how God first visited the Gentiles to take from them a people for his name. And with the words of the prophet agree, just as is written, blah, blah, blah. Therefore, my judgment is that we should not trouble those of the Gentiles who turn to God, but should write to them to abstain from things polluted by idols, sexual immorality, and from what has been strangled and from blood. From uh, For from ancient generations Moses has had in every city those who proclaim him, for he has read every Sabbath in the synagogues. They, this seemed good to the apostles and elders, with the whole church. Uh, and so basically they made the decision that they shouldn't, be forced to hold to the laws, right? The funny thing is, is Peter does this and then goes right back against it by, (laughs) by uh, not associating himself with those Gentiles. Well, and there's also some debate as to the timing here that could have happened before, right before this. It Uh, might've been, it's kind of in the same uh, timeframe. Right. When Paul confronts him to his face. Right. And so I, Again, read the book of uh, Galatians. It explains explicitly that there is no law that we should hold to except for the law of Christ, yeah. which is uh, his his salvation through uh, grace alone. Yeah, in fact, um, a, a great one to point to is, is Galatians 5, first few verses there. It says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Mm. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he's obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ. You who would be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace. And through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of the uh, hope of righteousness. Right. So you can't pick and choose which one of these laws you want to keep, which ones you don't, which ones are important, which ones aren't, which ones are part of this group of law, which ones are part of that group of law, et cetera, et cetera. We should keep these but not those, et cetera, et cetera. He basically says here, if you keep one, you got to keep them all. So knock it off. Yeah. And and that's that is one of the biggest issues with with this movement is trying to separate the law from moral mm-hmm. to uh, you know to cleanliness ceremonial. and ceremonial yeah. and so there is no separation. But even even a lot of the Hebrew roots people uh, today, man, it gets even crazy because they want to hold to the ceremonial laws, but then they're not stoning their children. Or they're not, you know, that are disobeying. They're not like putting their women outside the camp for two weeks while they are for a week while they are on their period. Right. Like <laughs> all these things that are in the law, not, they're not doing it all. Sure. They're they're just doing the parts that are cohesive to their sure. lifestyle <laughs> or whatever. So, all right. Well, we won't we won't beat that up too much because we're going to talk about some similar things here in a minute. Right. Uh, number five, or is this number five? Yeah. Uh, yes. Is it five? 
Wow, we're we're moving right along. Universalism. Now, this is probably this is a newer heresy, and one of the biggest heresies that's in our in our well cultural culture today. Yeah, and it's actually the one that I think our culture is pushing on us more than any of these others. Yep. Universalism is a belief that everyone will be saved. There are many people today that hold to universal salvation, believe that all people eventually end up in heaven. There are many different pathways to God. You can be a Buddhist and still obtain salvation. You can be um, a Hindu and obtain salvation. You can be, uh, you know, yeah. all the different religions. You can be an uh, atheist. There are many ways to God. That's right. You can be an atheist, and if you're a good person, you're going to obtain well, salvation. Well, you may deal with a little... It's so weird, because it's it's like, where does the basis for some of this come from? Because it doesn't right. come from the Bible. There's there's a lot of, of strange ideas concerning almost purgatory type of, of theology. Uh, like, it's not it's not Catholicism. But it's like hell exists, but hell exists only in as much as it needs to correct you. Like, so we're gonna burn the sin out of you, right? And you'll 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 receive your punishment, but then afterwards you'll you'll understand, and uh, you'll you'll have served your time, and yeah. you will then. Okay, so do you ever read Love Wins? It's uh, Rob, Bell's Rob Bell's coming out. That's right. Book basically. Um, okay, so no, first off. I know Rob Bell gets beat up a lot. Um, and and I, I want to just say this about Rob Bell because I don't want to demonize the man. Rob Bell was a great theologian whenever he, whenever he first started publishing stuff. Like some of the best resource materials of the modern age that I've, I enjoyed Rob Bell stuff. Oh, sure. I thought Rob Bell had some really, really great, really deep right. thinking. I don't know how he got from where he was to where he is. But <laughs> yeah, his flannel series was great. Um, yeah, Numa. The Numa series, yeah, yeah. It's produced by flannel. And, it, yeah. you know, uh, and I love that. Actually, I used it in teaching a lot. The thing is, is don't it, throw the baby out with the bathwater. And that's exactly what he did. He, he researched himself out <laughs> to the point where he started to question everything mm-hmm. to, <coughs> to even scriptural. Um, I think actually where he he went off the deep end was when he started questioning scriptural integrity. Right, right. And, um, well, if you read Love Wins, um, I can relate to some degree because coming from the background I came from, love played a little, if any, role in everything. Sure. Especially agape love from the aspect of being unconditional and knowing that this is the nature of God. And like once you start getting in your mindset that wait a minute, love is the answer. Love is everything. Love is like you can't take love out of any of this. This is like what it is all about. And I get that. It when you go from following law to discovering love, it's like it's intoxicating. Yeah. Right. And so um, I just became the love evangelist sure. in the group I was in. Like I wanted to talk about it in every single group I was in and every meeting I had, people were getting sick and tired of hearing me use the word agape. And I mean, it was just like, it was everywhere for me. And so I understand because love wins is about how God loves us so much that he can't bear to watch us perish. Right. Right. So where does Rob go with it? 
to the nth degree. And so the whole point in the book is that love, love wins over even our sin and death. Like it wins over everything. Right. And so um, when he was talking about in the introduction of the book about how he got to where he's, and, and he started thinking about Gandhi. Right. Gandhi was one of the uh, major factors that led him to universalism. Because he looked at Gandhi's life, and although Gandhi had some dark parts of his life, he did. But looking at the humanitarianism and the good things that that Gandhi was involved in, he was like, I was looking at the man's philosophy, I was looking at the man's life, his works, and I and he's like, and I thought that is what Jesus represented. That is what Jesus taught. So therefore, is the man doomed to to hell for all eternity? like from an eternal torment standpoint, because simply because he was a Buddhist instead of a Christian, mm. right? And so that really messed with, with Rob Bell. And so um, I'm not necessarily opposed to the whole eternal torment argument being maybe not valid, but the, he kept taking it to the point to where he erased hell completely, like even uh, Francis Chan wrote a book in reference to to Rob's arguments. Actually, it was yeah, it was and, in direct contrast. And it's called Erasing Erasing Hell, Hell which is a really good book, um, because the problem is not that he redefined or rethought what hell is, but that he erased it. Right. Like he removed it from um, from existence. Well, and what he did was he took his human feeling. And his human... Uh, we're putting God in a box. Right. His, God's got to adhere to our emotions. His human emotions, his human feeling, and he put it above what Scripture says. And right. again, y- you can't do that. Right. Because the minute you do that, you you basically make Scripture pointless. Right. And so there are many Scripture... Um, and And actually, this goes back to Pelagius. How can God send a good man to hell? Well, the answer is... There's not a good man. There's not a good man. <laughs> right. The truth is we are all under the curse of sin and death. Right. There's no one righteous, no, not one. God does love us so much that he sent his only son. And this is the gospel message that needs to be preached over and over and over again. Timothy 2.5, there is one God, one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Yeah. John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Yeah. So the and the 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 major breaking point here is not understanding the point of Jesus. Mm. The, the point of Jesus is not about bridging our lack of goodness with goodness. Like it's not about good works. It's not about doing good things. It's not about being a good person. It's not Jesus doesn't make you just a better person. Like right. that's not the whole point. The whole point is you're never going to be a good person. Right. You're always going to suck on some level. And and Jesus is the one who says, "Okay, I'll take whatever punishment you require for that." Right. And that and that is you can't substitute that. Well, okay. With good works or with good actions. The best verse verses, the best verses to to conflict with this would be John three sixteen through twenty, mm-hmm. right? Where the famous Nicodemus scene, 
right? right? Where Jesus is Nicodemus, and Jesus says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. That's love, by the way. Verse 18, Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but... Whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Mm -hmm. This is the verdict. Light has come to the world, but people love darkness instead of life because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light, for the fear of their deeds will be exposed. Yeah. So, I mean, it's easy to pull out verse 17. And say, well, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. It's easy to say that, but then not read the next verse, which is very obvious that that salvation only comes through the belief of Jesus mm-hmm. Christ. So I think this next one actually ties very well into it, <laughs> which is funny because we've almost we've almost confessed that we are antinomian. <laughs> In past episodes. It, it, yeah, in fact, the very last episode we recorded, <laughs> right. episode number 164, yeah. Law and then Antinomian. So, uh, But we actually listed antinomianism as a, a heresy. heresy. <laughs> That's right. Because at its root, it is a heresy. The word antinomianism, no law, yeah. means that there is no law. It's universalism, actually. Think about it. I can do whatever I want. I'm free to do whatever I want. I'm, I, you know, I can curse God. I'm not. I'm not under a law. But there is a law that you must submit yourself to. What is it? The law of Love, salvation, right? The gospel, which is bend the knee to Jesus, confess Jesus mm-hmm. as, as mm-hmm. Savior and Lord, and that's. That's the essentialism. That's that's the essentialism of the gospel. Right. So and it's the fulfilling of all of the law. Exactly, and it takes care of all the rest. Mm-hmm. So confess Christ and then do what you want, which is kind of crazy because yeah. what happens is you get the Holy Spirit and God leads you yeah. into righteousness. Yeah. So uh, we are not going against ourselves. Is that contra- the Augustine quote? That's an Augustine quote. Love quote. God and do what thou wilt. Yeah. 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 It's an Augustine quote. <laughs> Um, and so we're not contradicting ourselves, but we, no. what we are saying is... Go back and listen to 164. Right. Um, it re, it re, antinomianism at its, at its fruit um, rejects any moral, religious, or social law. That's the idea. Um, we reject law on the basis of salvation. Right. Like you're not saved by any law. Yeah. Other than that of Christ. Right. Now, we are changing the the uh, the meaning of antinomianism a little bit, because if you wiki antinomianism, it'll tell you that it's one who takes the principle of salvation by faith and divine grace to the point of asserting that the saved are not bound to follow the moral law contained in the Ten Commandments. Which I agree with. I do. <laughs> so we're antinomian by Wikipedia standards. By Wikipedia standards, <laughs> but not by the standards of universalism. Does that make sense? Well, we're even... Somewhat, we're Ann Hutchinson. I don't know. We, we we've been through this last episode. Oh so. uh, yeah, so just go check that out. Yeah, and see what you. Uh, we're we're Lutheran, and Lutheran hated antinomians. So yeah, but he was antinomian. <laughs> he was. He just didn't get it. Okay, so all right. <clears throat> is it number seven or number three? If we're counting backwards, yeah, right? number three, or is this number four? 
I don't know. I don't, we're four, at le- three, we're two, at legalism. One. Yes, four. Four. Legalism. So this is the opposite of antinomianism. Yes, it's like the it's it's nomianism. Right. Legalism is the act of putting the law of Moses above the gospel. I would take that to another level. Okay. Any law above the gospel. Yes. Not necessarily the law of Moses. Right. I mean, this could be. Hey, you have to take the Lord's Supper every Sunday. So, are you seeing a back and forth here? Because a, a branch of legalism would be the Hebrew Roots movement. Exactly. And then a branch of antinomianism would be universalism. Right. <laughs> Do you see and how o- that... Open theism. Open theism. Pelagianism. Yes. It all kind of has, like, it seems like all of these heresies either tie into the pendulum swing Yes, between... Uh, works and love, or works and grace, grace. or however you want to. Exactly. So okay, so the main reason we I have legalism on here from the standpoint of just a heres a general heresy, is simply because you can get caught up into believing that the that the Bible is a law book to be followed. Yes. And even though there are. There are commands. There are things that are given to us to adhere to. Um, our salvation doesn't come by those things. Those things happen because of our love for what is good, for our love for what God has desired. Right. And so um, legalism is whenever we say, hey, you're not a Christian unless you're doing X. Uh, if, if you, oh, you got a tattoo? Sorry. You're not a Christian. Don't come in the door. You're not wearing uh, a dress. Yeah, <laughs> as a woman. <laughs> yeah. So and then there's all kinds of different ones, and every uh, there's this isn't bound to one denomination or another. Uh-huh. There's legalisms all over the place. Uh, I mean, even uh, I, I remember having conversations with people who were saying, "I can't partake of communion because I haven't been good enough." Uh, wait a minute. Where are you getting that? Like. Wh- and that basically comes from a legalistic standpoint or a legalistic understanding of that my worthiness is judged by my deeds and not who I am putting my trust in. Right. And therefore, I can't partake of communion. And of course, there are all these verses that are twisted and brought out of context in order to, to uh, mean this. For example, I want to go back to... Second John. Okay. So we looked at Second John earlier. Uh, we'll look at it just a, 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 for a second from a backwards point of view. So um, if I just read this verse and says, um, everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Ooh. Now, if I take this this passage and I and I say, well. Separate it from its meaning, its yeah. purpose. Jesus said X, Y, Z. Or he may have not have actually said it in the Gospels, but the apostles said it in reference to Jesus or Christianity. So therefore, it's taught indirectly <laughs> through him. So therefore, it is part of the doctrine right. of Christ. Yeah. And he said uh, in... 1 Corinthians 14, a woman is to be silent in the church. So if a woman says amen, or if a woman uh, sings or whatever... Going against the teachings of Jesus, you do not abide in Christ. According to this verse, (laughs) you are not abiding. You do not have God. 
I mean, that you can take it to the nth degree. So, right. uh, and this, and of course, if you continue reading, whoever abides in this teaching has both the Father and the Son. And if anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your home or give him any greeting. So people are slamming the doors on their fellow Christians. That's right. Because mm-hmm. you're not adhering to the teachings of Christ. <laughs> I mean, any, okay, so verses against legalism, we could spend all day in Galatians. We could spend Romans. All, all day, in the, especially in Romans, the latter half of Romans. Uh, Romans 9, but Israel pursuing a law of righteousness did not arrive at that law. Why? Because they did not pursue it by faith, right. but as though it were by works. They mm-hmm. stumbled over the stumbling stone, right? Yeah. Uh, Galatians 3, for as many as are the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, cursed is everyone who does not by, abide by all things written in the book of the law They perform, to perform them. Mm-hmm. Now that no one is justified by the law before God is evident, the righteous man shall live by faith. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the... James 2. Oh, man. So do and act as one who is judged Judge. by the law of liberty. liberty yes. And for mercy rejoices against judgment. That's right. Uh, yeah, it's just on and on and on and on. The entire New Testament is a is a uh, preaching against legalism. Absolutely, and not just the New Testament. Uh, Jesus, if you look at Matthew twenty three, the the. The definitive chapter for me of a picture of Jesus getting angry uh-huh. is his railing against scribes and Pharisees. And what are they doing? Mm-hmm. They're legalistic. Yeah. All they're doing is binding look, heavy loads. You look good on the outside. But you're disgusting on the inside. But you're dead men's bones. On exactly. The and so... Why did sepulchers? Don't be hypocrite. Stop. Stop judging others based on your idea of what's right. Right. It's messed up, man. <laughs> More on that to come. Yes. Uh, number two. Ar- number three. Arianism. Arianism. <laughs> not Armenianism. <laughs> Did not say that, although I will say <laughs> Arianism. Arianism. Yes. So this goes back to uh, good old Arian, who stood up in the Nicene Council, had a lot to say, got punched in the face. By St. Nick. By Santa Claus. And it all has to do with the stuff, the essence of who, who God is. is. That's right, who Jesus is. Yeah. That's right. Fully so, God, fully man. Who was he? Right. And so Arian uh, basically stated that Jesus Christ is a created being mm-hmm. by God the Father, was created, and then Jesus is the one that, God used to create the world yeah. and then died on the cross for our sins. So he is distinctly different from God the Father, and it flies in the face of the idea of the triune God, God yes. the Father, God the Son, the Holy Spirit, so, all equal coexisting together. In this spirit. is where our JW friends like to uh, camp, expand. Yeah. That's right. So this is the base root of the heresy that Jehovah's Witnesses uh, believe today that they, they will say that Jesus, if you look closely, is actually the Archangel Michael, which is total bullcrap. 
Um, there's no. It's, it's like the guy who calls. He's like, it's obvious in scripture if you will read your if scripture. If you will read your scripture, if and you will actually read your scripture. Actually, if you will, if you look in your church history, you'll see that you you have created one of the greatest early church blunders of all history. <laughs> Arianism. You're an Arian heretic. <laughs> Anyways, sorry, no offense, but yeah, it's a it's a problem. Yeah, you know, of all the things that. Um, to talk about with Jehovah's Witnesses. They always want to talk about the Revelation. They always want to talk about, you know, who's in the 144,000. I always want, like, what tribe are you in? Because that's 12 tribes, 12,000 from each tribe. So which tribe did you fit? Oh, never mind. So going, going back to, uh, <laughs> going back to uh, what you should be discussing with them is not the Revelation. The deity of Jesus. The deity of Jesus himself. That, that is right. like the A number one kicker uh issue with with their religion is that they well that's a big statement but anyway that's that's a big one yeah like and they don't have a really good way of getting around it either no they use this new world translation yes which by the way takes the greek and mistranslates mm-hmm. it in many places especially uh, john chapter one <laughs> right and and it, it uses the word uh which is worship um, proskuneo uh-huh. is translated uh, obeisance. Whenever it's in reference to Jesus, uh, whenever it's in reference to God, it's, it's proskuneo. It's it's worship. Yeah, but yeah, it's proskuneo everywhere. So right. the Greek is the same. <laughs> right, but the English translation, the New World translation, makes it obeisance whenever you're dealing with Jesus. In other words, you don't worship Jesus; you just obey him. Right, and so if you look, here's here's a for me, here's the best number one argument you can do. Go to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. What does it say? It says, in the beginning, God, meaning not, not Jesus, mm-hmm. God created the heavens and the earth. That's what it says. And then you look at 1 Corinthians 8, 6. Yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom are all things and for whom we exist and one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we are, uh, whom are all things, and through whom we exist. What is it doing? It's saying it's that Jesus contradicting itself. That's right. It's saying that Jesus is God. You, I mean, you would have to really take away the Book of John from the Bible in order to claim this. Uh, John ten thirty, Jesus says, "I and the Father am are one." Yeah. Uh, John eight fifty eight. Jesus said to them, "Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am." That statement, "I am," mm-hmm. he's not saying I existed. He's literally saying Yahweh, Yahweh, I'm God. Yes. Okay. So if you're an Arian, you have a serious the issue right there. The entire book of John, <laughs> I, know. "I am," is used all throughout the book of John. Right. And like and Jews, that was not in their vernacular, by the way. No, they didn't. Well, they what did they do? As soon as he said that, they, they picked fell. up stones. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they fell. Yeah, they're at the garden whenever he's... Right. Oh, yeah, I'm confusing it. Whenever they said, we're looking for Jesus in Nazareth, Nazareth, and he said, I am. Right. They fell to the ground. Right. In John 10, they picked up stones to stone him. Right. Right. So, I mean, it's... It's, ev- it's everywhere. I mean, he, he uses that uh, that vernacular all over the place. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. All of that is in John. The I am the vine, you are the branches. That's in John. 
I am the right. bread. I, I mean, everywhere he uses I am, and it's all in reference to him being deity. Right. Colossians 1, Paul is making the statement that Jesus is the, the image of the invisible God. By him, through him, mm-hmm. all things are created and are held together. So the point is, Jesus coexists with God as a distinct mm-hmm. personhood of the triune God. And what's interesting, if you look at all the things of the of, in the gospel, uh, according to different verses, different people are responsible. So like, well, who's responsible for Jesus' death? You'll find a verse that makes Jesus responsible, that makes God responsible, that makes the Holy Spirit responsible. Right. Who's responsible for Jesus' resurrection? You'll find a verse that that makes Jesus responsible, makes God responsible, makes the Holy Spirit responsible. Like, th- like these are either contradictory verses or they're trying to tell us something. Yeah. And that's the thing. I mean, the very at Jesus' birth, what are what do they say he's gonna be called? Emmanuel. Yes. God, God with, with us. us. It's, Pretty straightforward. I don't know why this is such a hard thing. It's uh, <laughs> number two. I hope. I hope he calls back. All right. <laughs> I don't even think he listens to the show. I think he read it. I think he read part of our article on a post. Yeah. So, okay. So subordination. Okay. So this is another or subordinationism. Yeah, subordinationism. This is another early Christian, um, uh, pre Nicene Council. Kind of like the last one we just talked about. Oh yeah, it's very much like it. So it's um, the clue is in the name. So God is three distinct persons, uh, subordinate to one another. So God the Father is over everything. Then God the Son is subordinate, mm-hmm. and then and the it's Holy a ranking Spirit, system. Yeah. And the Holy Spirit is is third. Hierarchies. There's a hierarchy of God. There's got to be a hierarchy for everything. Right. Um, so there are a whole bunch of people. Origin believe that uh, Jesus was Deuteros Theos, which means secondary God. He borrowed from Hellenistic theology when he said that Clement of Rome um, said the apostles received the gospel for us from Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ is sent from God, so Christ is from God, and the apostles are from Christ. Those both came from proper order, the will of God, order being the... uh, So you have all these different (laughs) people, but then in the Council of Nicaea, they pulled that out and they said it cannot be because of all the scriptures that denote that Jesus is God, mm-hmm. right? Uh, that the Holy Spirit is God, uh, God's breath, and so it, it cannot. There cannot be a, a hierarchical order because they all coexist together. Right, they're all one. Um, this one, uh, you know, we Again, don't. It's the nature of God is so hard to, for us to quit putting him in a box. Yes, run out loud. I mean, we. It's like. We can't under, We can't get our minds around the fact that there's three people in one. We can't get our minds around the fact that he's a son and a father. Now, it's so. It's it's such a conundrum for us because we have such a two dimensional view mm. of everything. It's hard for us to see the the whole picture, and it's hard for us to see God as who He is by design. We we aren't meant to see God as He is yet. That's right. why the scriptures tell us. We will see him as he is. Right. We, we when, when he comes again, we will experience him in a different way. It'll be completely different, but cool. Exactly. <laughs> Amen. So, so anyway, 
Okay, we ready to hit our big one? Yeah, let's shoot. All right, number one, drum roll. Sectarianism. Dun, dun, dun. Our biggest heresy, and we invented this one, by the way, because I don't think you'll find it in any huh. list of formal heresies. Oh, probably around legalism here. too. But uh, we didn't invent <laughs> this. I think Jesus railed against this heresy, <laughs> and I think New that Testament, Paul yes. railed against this heresy. John railed against it. <laughs> yes. So we're defining sectarianism as splitting up into different camps and claiming that you have. The full-on truth. This is the very definition of heresy. Yes. Exactly. So that's why it's a heresy. That's why it's a heresy. It's the very Greek definition of heresies. Mm. Amen. Quit being a sect. That's right. It's a form of bigotry, discrimination, and hatred against every other... We can't help it if we have the truth and you don't. That's right. So, uh, you know, what are what's our basis for this? Uh, number 1, Jesus's high priestly prayer. Mm-hmm. We can go and read that, yeah. right? My will is that they be one together. Yes, as we are one. Don't let man-made divisions like the things that we've been talking about mm-hmm. here divide us from doing our work, which is loving God and loving Oh, others. you're this ism? Well, I'm that ism. That's true. And my ism thinks that your ism is wrong because we are of the truth. <laughs> and it says right here that if you don't have the truth, then you're not of God. <laughs> That's right. Because I don't know how to do research on... <laughs> okay, so here's one of my big passages for this. Okay. John. Uh, third book of John. So we talked about the second book of John and you can actually pick apart the second book of John to make it sectarianism. Like you can say, oh, sure. do not bid him Godspeed if he doesn't bring you truth. Okay. <laughs> so, but if we go to, to third John, hmm. Okay. There's this, it's, I love the letter again. It's a really short one. So I'm going to read the whole thing, but okay. Uh, okay. So it says this, um, the elder, once again, it kind of starts the same way. <laughs> Only to the elect lady we're going to, the beloved Gaius. <laughs> Wait, who was Gaius? Yes. Who could that be? Mm. Okay, anyways. Gaius, maybe. Okay, <laughs> the elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. For I rejoice greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Sounds kind of like the last letter, right? Oh, yeah. Okay, then he says this. Beloved, it is a faithful thing that you do in all your efforts for these brothers, these strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. You do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God, for they have gone out for the sakes of the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like this, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. So it's like charging Gaius with being a good uh, ecumenical right. Christian, right? Yeah. He's like, you didn't know who these guys were. They came preaching Jesus. You left. You let them in your house. You gave them some food. They weren't taking anything from the Gentiles, and so they needed stuff. You gave it to them. Hallelujah! Praise God! <laughs> you have shown your uh, your faith through unity. Mm. Now listen to what he says next. <laughs> he says, 
I have written something to the church. But Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I will bring up what he is doing, talking wicked nonsense against us. And not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to and puts them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God, and whoever does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. We also add our testimony, and you know that our testimony is true. And, of course, he's just like the last one, he says, I have much to write to you, but I'd rather talk face-to-face, et cetera, et cetera. Sure. Okay, so, but the thing is, this is a, this is a comparison and contrast. Here's Gaius, who is accepting other Christians that he doesn't know. He doesn't know the theology. He hasn't, like, quizzed them. He hasn't, he hasn't, he's not turning them away because of the way they look or the way they act, the way they dress, the way they're doing anything. He, they're preaching Jesus. And he knows that. Right. Supports them. Amen. The contrast is Diotrephes, who says he wants preeminence over all of this. And so he's making the decision who you should support and who you shouldn't support. And he's saying not only is he kicking people out of the church who he disagrees with, he's kicking people out of the church that are helping. Right. That should, like he should be. Mm. And so this to me is a very clear picture of a lot of my experiences in Christianity Mm. in that if you didn't hold the exact same views on the exact same scriptures from A to Z with the guy next to you, you were booted out. Yeah. You physically kicked out of the church for not, Holding to the truth, which is so ironic, given that that word truth is thrown around so much in this passage in reference against right. sectarianism. And the thing is, you know, again, backbone issue, and then everything, there's one backbone issue, Christ. That's it. If we can unify in Christ, I don't care if you you read Tim LaHaye and think that... <laughs> You're gonna get, you know, raptured. Raptured. <laughs> That's fine if you want to be crazy. Whatever. <laughs> I love you. I don't care if you know. And you can explain it to me on the way up if it happens. Exactly. I'll be <laughs> so enamored. I don't. I don't care if you hold to this or that. Uh, you know, if if you're a, a continuationist or a cessationist, a a, a Calvinist or a Armenian, I, that stuff doesn't matter. What matters is Christ, and the what matters is loving God and loving others mm-hmm. through Christ. That's it, and we can all unify. And anything other than that is sec, is sectarianism, mm-hmm. and it's against God, and it's a heresy. First Corinthians, <coughs> First Corinthians is all over this. Yeah, like this is one of the big problems that Paul has with the Corinthians. He's like, "What are you doing? I'm of Paul." Or I'm of Apollos, or I'm of Cephas, and he was like, he was like, so what if so and so baptized you? So what if this other guy baptized you? I'm glad I didn't baptize you. And he was like, oh wait a minute, I did baptize a few of you. <laughs> I mean, he's like so like passionate, yeah, about the this whole thing, and then he goes on to say that, did I die for you? Did Apollos die for you? No, none of these guys died for you. He's like, I came to preach Jesus, 
and him crucified. Amen. And that's it. That's the gospel. Amen. But man, we get so hung up. We do. On our isms and our and our divisive um rhetoric <laughs> and our pet things. It's like, you know, I used to ask these guys, I was like, you know, because there were issues in, in our previous church that would just get you booted out right away. But then there are other issues that were very that people disagreed with all the time. And it was never a problem. And I was always like, why is that one not a problem? Like, for example, I remember one of them that wouldn't be a problem was, uh, should Christians vote? You know, some of them, some people believe they shouldn't, some <laughs> people believe they should. And it's like, no one really cared, though. Whatever. If you want to vote, fine. But if you were going to, if it had something to do with how you did the worship service. Right. Oh, my. You're paying a pastor? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or whatever. So you're having this particular Bible class here, and, you know, is it in the sanctuary? Or is it, wait a minute, you built a building just for that? I mean, I don't know. It's just weirdness. But people would, like, you know, divide up over nothingisms. Yeah. And it's like, focus on what's important. Right. Amen. All right. So that's our top ten heresies. We're back. Woo! That was great. It was fun. <laughs> well, we were only at it an hour and a half too so far. An hour and a half? Yeah, we've been on here an hour and a half. All right. Well, let's cancel. Let's cut it. No news this week. We'll do news. Save next up your time. news for next time. I will. No problem. So, you know what? I don't have any scripts or nothing. I don't either. I don't even. <laughs> again. <laughs> We're, you know, it's it's like starting new again. Yeah, we're just not prepared. We don't know. The Theonauts are part of the Great we Commission don't know Transmission. I do have the music. The Theonauts are part of the Great Commission Transmission, where we go into the, all the world and proclaim the gospel through mu- media, new media and stuff. That was really good. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Theonauts. Twitter at twitter.com slash Theonautical. Um, like, oh, wait, uh, Patreon, if you like us even more and want to drop us a buck or two, Patreon's there. Patreon.com slash Theonauts. That's right. Uh, you can call us at 972-885-7270. Yes. That's, we haven't got any calls in like forever. Yes, yeah, Like seriously. there's cobwebs all over the phones. <laughs> we do have these physical bat phones that let, with right. the rotary dial and, and the red light. And our operators are standing by. That's right. <laughs> If you want a prayer cloth, <laughs> don't ask us. Uh, let's see. What else? 972-885-7270. Shout out to Michael and Brendan. Are you guys still out there? Do yes, you love us? Yes, we need to talk to you guys, man. It's like, wow. Oh, and prayers out to Brendan. He lost his father. Yes, I heard. Yes. Yeah, so. I've been praying for him. We love you guys. Thanks yes. for listening to Theonauts. All right, Jeremiah. Thanks right, for being David. here, brother. See you next time. All right, God bless. This has been the Theonauts Podcast. Call us with your questions or comments at 972-885-7270. That's 972-885-7270. We'd love to hear from you. You are tuned in to the GCT Network. This is your Great Commission. This is your Great Commission Transmission. At GCTNetwork.com. This is your great commission transmission. This is your great commission transmission.
You guys are making me look bad in front of God.